The International Association for Near-Death Studies presents NDE Radio, a weekly exploration of near-death experiences and similar encounters with the other side. Now, here's your host, Lee Whitting. Welcome to NDE Radio with Lee Whitting, whether you're listening on TalkZone, by podcast, through the archives of our ad-free shows on our YouTube channel, or connected through the incredible content of our Facebook page. Our guest today, Pastor Tony Davis, was an aspiring R&B artist turned gospel singer, but his life was almost ended when he was shot down. During his near-death experience, he was taken to heaven, but God sent him back with more work to do. Today, Dr. Davis is a gospel recording artist, speaker, author, and film producer living in Southern California. Tony is best known for his life-changing testimony of how God raised him from 30 minutes of death after he was shot five times by members of an L.A. gang. God restored his life to share a message of forgiveness. His story has been told through TBN, as well as other network programming, including the 700 Club, the A&E Bio Channel, and the Discovery Channel. Pastor Davis also hosts the internet show Everyday Miracles on the Holy Spirit Broadcasting Network. He's written a book, Heaven is Real, and has produced a film about his life story titled, I Forgive. Tony, welcome to NDE Radio. Thanks for having me. How are you today? I'm fine. I'm very well. Thanks. Tony, you're one of six kids growing up near Jackson, Mississippi. And I gather from the kind of life you've led that church must have been a big influence on your family. Is that right? That's right. My mom would drag us to church. If you did not want to go, you going every Sunday, okay? <laughs> and you will be sitting in the front pew. So it was a it was a duty. Sometimes I found myself falling asleep, but I wake up when the pastor began to scream out those scriptures. So uh, it was a it was a, it was a great time when I look back over my life during those those times of growing up in the South. Mm. It must have been something growing up in rural Mississippi. How old were you, uh, and and were you in the 70s, growing up in the 70s? Yes, I was born in 63, so, um, you know, I, I went through all those times and, and different things of life, and, and my mom, she was a prayer warrior, man. She would pray over everything, you know. She would pray for this or that, and and she always told me, Tony, believe God. You, you got to believe God, you know, and so that was a foundation that stuck with me all my life, and and even when I'm going through obstacles of things in life, you know, I always say, you know what, God, you're bigger than this. That's one of my 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 favorite words that I always tell people. Look, God is bigger than that. You know, He's bigger than this. So that's that's what keeps me encouraged. And your mom, I I gather, said no to your R and B hopes and put you on track for gospel singing. <laughs> oh my goodness, man! I remember those days in the early '90s. I moved to Los Angeles and. And I, you know, went to United College of Business. I met some guys in, in the um, in, in the cafeteria and started singing. And we began to sing together. And all of a sudden, man, we began to do events around the L.A. area. And I landed an actual record deal with Warner Brothers. So I did all those R&B things. And, of course, my mom was in my ear. Tony, stop singing that stuff and sing from the Lord. And I'm like. Mom, there's no money in that, but but okay, okay, I'll, I'll I'll switch it up one of these days. And so I got convicted, man, and eventually, it, it, around '95, I I totally changed over to gospel. I I got she was so right. I I felt an empty void in my heart. Right, there's an empty space there that I think that only Jesus can fill. That's just what I believe, and and I felt so empty as I was doing uh, the singing. You know, I just it was just 
It was I wasn't being fulfilled. Yeah. And so when I switched over, guess what? That little hole that I had empty, it, it filled up. One of the things I've always thought was with a lot of music, it's written with the idea of uh, men and women falling in love. But if you just factored God into it, a lot of regular songs could almost be hymns because they're all about love. And that's what God's all about. Anyway, you and your wife both worked uh, with special needs clients. And you told me that your guys put together a million high chairs in a nonprofit organization. Oh, yes. It was called Willing Workers in the Los Angeles area. Very popular place. Uh Um, Yes, I love my job. I I worked with special needs for 15 years. Not only did I I work with them putting putting together those high chairs, I also drove bus. So I had the honor of... (laughs) So picking them up in the morning time, you know, because I, uh-huh. I work, man, I work diligently for that company. I, I would get there early, get the bus along with other drivers. We would drive out all over Los Angeles area to pick up different clients, you know, in different parts of the city and bring them to willing workers for their daily work. And it was such a great job, man. You know, uh-huh. I was so proud of them, especially to see their work ethic. Uh-huh. And it was so sincere and dedicated you know if you if they didn't do their work man they would be upset that day so you had to make sure that they had everything in order yeah and i guess you were on your way back from work driving to pick up your wife from her job in los angeles when uh, you became the random victim of a gang initiation so tell us how that came about Yes, yes. Actually, I, I was on my way to pick her up. You know, I had left my job and, and went back home for a moment. Then I, I was on my way to pick her up from, from work over in the East LA area. Unbelievably, could not believe this happened to me. Um, I've never been in a gang. I, I never held a gun at that point in my life. Okay. I, I came from R&B singing. So all I did was sing around LA and, you know, went from gospel. I mean, went from R&B to gospel. So I was on fire for the Lord. You know, I was on fire. I had put together a group and we was working on, on, on the third song in an album called Heaven is Real that we was putting together at that time, I remember. And I was on my way to pick her from work. And when I turned the corner where she worked at, all of a sudden bullets rang out. And um, these young gangbangers, I, I had no idea what was going on in that area because I didn't hang around there. You know, I just go there to pick up Chris and we leave. And that was my, my daily routine Monday through Fridays. And it just that particular night, that evening, at least I was on my way and, and they, they attacked me unbelievably. Um, they shot at my Jeep. I, I got away from those bullets around the corner and I had to pull over because um, the, the um, some of the bullets hit the radiator. So the steam had fogged up my front window and my left back tire was on flat and, there was a hole in my door, you know, and um, long story short, I ran over there to check on Chris. Thank God she didn't, did not come out that out of the home at that point, right. because if she did, she would have caught some of those bullets, you know. And so the police came and did an investigation and they said, you know, a nine millimeter did this. And, uh, you know, we see those holes there and they said, you know what, there's um, there's gang initiation in this area. I said, what do you mean? And they said, well, you know. Gang members are killing people to join gangs. I said, what? Really? Listen, we're going to go and do an investigation and we'll be back. And unfortunately, they left me there, man. That was a mistake. They left me there to go do the investigation. But they did call the AAA truck for me to come pick up my Jeep. And um, when the truck got there, all of a sudden, I, I saw the truck coming down the road and I stood up to wave the truck. Hey, right here, right here. And all of a sudden... Uh, bullets to begin to ring out. You know, I heard the bullets come from behind me and they hit the front of the truck and that guy slammed his truck in reverse. He backed into some parked cars 
and he got out of there. So I turned to run. When I turned to run, the first bullet hit my left leg and two more bullets followed. And I limped running and fell beside my Jeep uh, by the tire. And when I thought the nightmare was over, another young guy came from the other side and uh, he began to shoot me all over again. Um, he shot me in my, my, my right thigh area that time and another bullet hit the ground and came up to my, my calf, uh, my leg. And it was just horrific. I couldn't believe that was happening to me. Mm. Um, and I stood up, you know, it was like God says, stand up and face your enemy. I felt that in my, in my spirit. So I stood up and it was a young man. You look like a little young nephew standing behind a tree. He had the gun pointed towards my head. And I said, why, what have I done to make you shoot me like this? You don't even know my name. Who are you? Why would you do this to me? And I said, but in the name of Jesus, you're not going to shoot me anymore. And when I said that name in the name of Jesus, I noticed that his hand began to tremble and he lowered the gun. You know, and I walked as far as I could away from what had happened to me in that, in that area. And I remember walking, you know, toward trying to get to some light. And I fell down, like, in the middle of the road there. And I laid there. And I felt my heart begin to slow down. Every time my heart would beat, um, I felt this gush of blood just coming out of all these holes. Because I was shot five times, but it left ten holes in my body because... The bullet had exit point. Each bullet that went in came out. So it left wow. a hole. And the doctors told me it was like being shot all over again when you shot that many times. So in that, I just couldn't believe it happened to me. And um, my heart began to slow down, like I said, and I was beginning to talk to God. I said, you know, I don't know. I don't know why this happened to me, but I trust you, God. And I said, um, please take care. If this is my time. Please take care of my, my wife and my family, my mother. Please, God, just take care of all those that I love. And I would accept this moment. And I remember feeling my heart uh, beating a few more times and it stopped. I had my hand in the air and my hands fell to the ground and I died. And I had this out of body experience. I remember I saw my body laying there in, in that pool of blood. I floated towards these clouds. The closer uh, I got to these clouds. I, I think I think somewhere you said uh, in one of your interviews that you were worshiping God from a pool of blood. That was such a rich image uh, yeah. in my in my mind's eye. And I think you also said that um, you felt like the devil was laughing at you. That yes, he, that, that he that, yeah. just sort of tempted you to see, see what God allowed me to do to you. Ha ha ha. That, that, that's exactly. I, I, I was, you know, I didn't, I, I, because of, you know, I didn't want to go into a whole lot of details. Oh no, I, we're interested in the details. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know, when I was laying there, see, it's easy to worship God when things are good and dandy, but yeah. when you in in this area, I call it a lullaby area, when things are hurt and desolate and you know painful, and it looks like God is not there. Felt like God had left and abandoned me at that moment, hmm. but yet I still choose to trust him, even though I felt that way. I said, I've seen you do great things in other people's lives, and I know that you're still with me, God. And so I was worshiping God in my boot of blood. That's true. I had my hands up, said, God, please take care of my family. I love you, God. Please take, take care of my wife, my mother, my sisters and brothers, all those I love, my friends, my singing group, DDT. I take care of my group, Lord. <laughs> just And I was just praying for everybody that I could think of before I died, because I knew I felt that I was going to die because of so much blood being lost. Blood was everywhere. 
Yeah. It was on my hands and my face and my chest. So it was blood was everywhere. And I remember hearing these legions of demons laughing at me. You've been serving that God. Look what that God allowed me to do to you. And I thought about scripture. I thought about, I'm so glad that I learned scripture and listened to my mother. I remember Job saying, though he slay me, yet still would I trust him. And I thought about that scripture as I laid there worshiping God. And I said, you know, I'm going to trust God in spite of him. Though he, he allowed this, he didn't do it. He allowed it to happen, though. And I trust him beyond this. And that's what I did. And then it sounded like an angel. I think he said a woman in white appeared out of nowhere. Yes. You really want the details, huh? I, I sure do. <laughs> I think yeah, they're fascinating. So, and it's a true story, very, very true. You know, I was I, I was laying there right, and when I remember taking my last breath, and out of nowhere, this lady came up, and I I'm like, who is she? I know her, but I don't know her. But I believe, and I felt in my heart, you know, that's your garden angel. She came and she picked my head up and she placed it in her lap. And she said, my God, what have they done? And I said to myself, you're going to get your dress all bloody because she was just all white, man. Her hair was black and gray. And and she I don't know what nationality or color she was because she had like this glow about her. It was just a glow. And she rubbed my head. She said, it's going to be all right. And she looked up and said, my God, what have they done? And she looked back at me. And I remember she rubbed my head that, that third time. And that's when I she's just going to be all right. And I felt that my, it's like my soul, my, something came out of the body, my spirit, mm. it came out of the body. And that's when it began to lift up and it go towards these clouds. And I looked and I saw the body laying there. She wasn't there with the body anymore, but I saw the body laying there to my right side. And I floated towards these clouds. And the closer I got to these clouds, I began to feel so much love and peace and joy, all my cares about this world, all the things that, you know, mattered around this world. I didn't thought, I did not find myself worried about my mother anymore, my wife or my friends. I felt like everything's going to be all right. They are going to be all right, Tony. I just felt that in, in this huge array of love. And so when I got to this cloud, a huge window opened up in front of this cloud. Inside of that window, way off in there, I saw this city, a huge, beautiful city. I couldn't see it that clear because these clouds were like going slow in front of my eyes, right? I'm like, get out the way, get out the way. I want to see, I'm trying to see something. You know, these clouds were going real slow in front of my eyesight and I'm trying to push my way inside because I felt so much love inside of there. And um, hmm, it was just beautiful. I saw these lights floating through the city and the whole spirit said to my, to my inner man and my inner being, it said, those are archangels. They never stop praising God. And I saw these angel wings going in and out of these lights. I'm like, oh my God, this is so beautiful. This is real, God. Is this real? And I tried to push my way inside. I kept trying. And all of a sudden, I heard a voice. It was God. He spoke to me. It's amazing. But I'll see, God doesn't speak to our flesh. He speaks to our spirit because God is spirit. And so he spoke to my spirit, man. He said, it's not yet your time. And I said, Go, he said, go back. I said, oh, no, 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 no. I can't go back to, to that world. I, it's no way. I, I, I want to stay because I felt like everybody's supposed to be there. This is real. I don't care what color you are, blue, green, purple. Pick your color. And when Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place, I believe that that place was heaven. And I believe that it was prepared for all of us, no matter who you are. As long as you accept him as your personal savior, because he died for you and I, that, that's what I believe. And I felt that love. I felt that joy beyond myself, beyond this world. 
And I wanted to stay there in the presence of all of that. I heard people talking. Uh, they sound like they were so happy. It was so much joy and peace and love. I even heard like a waterfall to my right side. It was like a stream of water. It was just so peaceful. And I tried to push my way. And he said my name again, Tony. I need you to deliver this message to my people. And I'm stubborn, man. I'm like, oh, no, no, I'm not going back to that. I don't want to go back to those crazy people. <laughs> now, in, no in, in the film that you guys made, you show the setting like a garden, like a beautiful garden, and almost yes. like you were walking with God. Did you see God as a being, or was he more like Jesus or more like just a light? I must say, as you saw the film, I'm glad you saw that film. I forgive. You know, Hollywood got as close to my story. They could, they could not tell it the way I really, really, really wanted it. You know, they do the best they can with what you can give them because heaven was so difficult to, to describe. So myself and the producer, we decided, why don't we show a time of life that when people go through a rough, rugged time, and yet God never leaves them is what I told them. And they said, you know, why don't we get these? Why don't we do this? Do that among rocks. So we found these rocks over in Azusa Hill. And we went there. One of the scholars found those rocks, actually. And we went there and it showed where when you're going through the most difficultest time in your life, when you're going through these struggles, you know how hard it is to climb rocks. It was so it was a huge rock, small rocks. Sometimes Tony almost almost fell over. And so every time I be almost. I was about to fall. God was right there. He would catch us in our bad times, right? He would catch us and say, Tony, it's going to be all right. Uh, I never left you, my son. I was with you through your heartache as well as I'm with, I'm with you through your pain. And I'm with you through your happiness as well. So I was trying to demonstrate those times of when, you know, even though you go through these rugged times and these falling times, these hard times, he's still right there. And we just have to trust him. I always tell people, trust him beyond you. Trust him beyond what you see with your natural eyes. And everything else will work out just fine. Just trust beyond you. Trust me beyond what you see. It'll work out okay. So the garden was really a device of the film to show that that was that way of portraying heaven. What did God yes. look like to you? Oh, God is, you know, God is spirit. So what I, I, I couldn't see him, but I, I felt his presence. It was like all over my skin. I felt consumed with his love. It's like someone placing a blanket of love all around you and just wrapping it around you over and over and over. I'm telling you, man, all of the cares, all of those tears and the pain, all of my concern about the world, about the concerns of this world, I wasn't concerned anymore. It's like all of those things went away from me and I was consumed with pure love. I never in my life, felt this kind of love. It was beyond this world. And so he, he was spirit. I felt it was like wind just blowing across my skin. It was just so beautiful. It was so peaceful, so real, so wow. sincere. And we're so limited in how we can describe these experiences. I think you said it was like God's arms reaching out and holding you or picking you up, but that wasn't yeah, obviously no no arms. No, it was clouds. Right. It was like his Shekinah glory. It was clouds that circled around me. You know, mm. when I was standing there, it was clouds just circling around me, almost like a storm of clouds. You know, just they surrounded me and and and, and it was his arms is what I felt. I'm like, oh, it's the arms of God. And it was they was surrounded me and, and in in the middle was was just little old me and he was hugging me. And he was telling me, it's going to be all right, Tony. Everything's going to be all right. Trust me. 
you trust me this far. Wow. Trust me that I, I'm still with you always. And I just felt consumed with that love. Was there any sort of a life review where you saw your past life? No, I didn't see anything because I'm telling you, when you get there, one thing that I do know for sure, when you get there, all of your concerns, all of the cares of what I've done, or it just, it was not there anymore because I'm always concerned about my wife or my mom. She's transitioned at this, at this point in my life, but I used to be so <clears throat> concerned about my mother and my friends and my clients. But I felt like God had everything in control. I felt like, Tony, don't worry about it because God had it. He has it. It's going to work out just fine. Just trust him because I am limited. When he's, he, there's no limit to God, what he can do. So I just felt like he's going to take care of everything. But I didn't see anything about my past or what I've gone through, anything flashed behind me. All I know is I wanted to stay right there in heaven. I wanted to be right there. And I did not want to come back to life at all. And did you see any other beings, any angels? Yeah, I saw images of people. You know, they was walking around and I'm like, who is that? And I heard these voices like, wait a minute, I know that voice, but I don't know that voice. It's like someone that I knew from when I was small or something, like somebody that I knew from my past or something. You know, I'm like, who is that? I know that voice. And they were so happy and free. They just had so much love for each other. And I heard them talking and laughing. It was just so much joy. And I saw these images of people, but I couldn't see the people because of these clouds, man. I'm like, move these clouds out of my way so I can see these people. <laughs> so I couldn't see nobody's faces because of the clouds, but I saw the images of people. And I saw the images of these huge angels, like 17 feet tall. And I saw these, these wings going in and out, these lights, when they would change colors and and stuff. And I'm telling you, man, I don't know what color. The only color I recognize, I remember seeing like this huge way out in there, there was this huge pillow, right? This like this a pillow is like a column that holds up a building, right? Mm-hmm. And I remember seeing it was like it was a bone white column, and, and there was like this gray strikes through it, like lightning had lightning had struck the, the column or something, you know, just the side of it, you know, and I just saw this gray streaks of light lightning that has struck us out of this these columns and it was just way up in the air into the clouds so i couldn't see anything further than that it was just so beautiful so peaceful and did god say anything to you besides when he told you it wasn't your time yet yes he did he said you know tony there's there's a message i need you to deliver to my people i'm like oh god i gotta go back lord jesus don't do this to me god (laughs) he said there's a message i need you to to deliver to my people a message of forgiveness and triumph over tragedy i'm like how am i gonna do that god he said tony i need you to deliver the message and i heard a blow like a wind like the wind blowing. And I begin to go backwards and I'm screaming. My hands are going through clouds. I'm trying to grab something because if I could have got a leg or an arm around a pole or something, I I, I wouldn't have came back here. I, I just would not have. I'm telling you, I would have stayed, man. <laughs> but I, my hands were going through these clouds and, and I was trying to grab something. And then I opened up my eyes. I took a breath. I breathed. <clears throat> and when I opened up my eyes, I was on life support. This doctor was standing over me. And um, it was a tube coming from my neck. <clears throat> this doctor was standing over me. He was about to put this sheet over my head. 
But when I when I breathe, he ah, he screamed. He dropped the sheet. And he ran out the room. <laughs> I scared that poor man. He didn't even want to see me anymore. I went back. You could ask my wife, Chris. And we went back several times. I took flowers. I said, look, I just want to ask him, was it real what I saw? And they said, look, that doctor did not want to have anything else to do with you. You scared him half to death. <laughs> and he's a, he's a goner. You can forget about it. I mean, I'm like, I just want to ask him. I just want to. Sir, sir, it's, it's confidential. We can't release that information. True story. So that was that. <laughs> wow. Now they had done surgery on you, hadn't they? And uh, did they tell your your wife that you had died? Yes. Um, the uh, they came to Chris. You know, uh, and they told my they told Chriselda. My, my Chriselda is my wife's name. Chris for short. Yes. They told Chris. Chris, we have some good good news and some bad news. Uh, which one do you want first? And and Chris said, um, give me the bad news first. I don't know why she wanted the bad news first, but she wanted the bad news first. So they said, the bad news is we lost and he died. You know, um, unfortunately, it was over 30 minutes of death, really. It was 30 minutes. It's what we counted down, 30 minutes of death. He, he died. And she said, she, you know, she began to scream and, you know, and they, he's, wait, wait. But, he, but the good news is he came back. We don't know how that happened, but but he's he came back, and he's in surgery now. And I, I think um, I think I was in surgery for uh, a three and a half hour operation turned into a seven and a half or eight and a half. She could tell you more about that part. My wife, I think she said it's supposed to be three hours, but it turned into eight hours because they they was trying to save my left leg. They put a a plastic stent there in my left thigh area because. One of the bullets, the, the reason I died was one of the bullets shattered this artery called a femoral artery. It's in your left leg. It's go down, it, it has blood, go, blood goes directly from the heart through that artery. And I bled to death mainly from that, that gunshot wound. It, it, it served the artery. So they placed, they, so they tried to, they, they told me they tried to save the leg. They put the, uh, the plastic there and uh, they said, they told me it wasn't sitting right. You know, it just wasn't operating or sitting right in the leg is the way he was trying to explain to me later on. And, and um, also my, my throat right here, man, I'm telling you, it was one bad news to the next, my throat right here. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Just give me a moment here. Oh no, that's understandable. They mistakenly cut a piece of my vocal cord, mm. trying to get air into my lungs because um they said I was dead. They was trying to get the tube in my throat and it wouldn't go, go through my mouth. So they uh, mistakenly cut a piece of my vocal cord. And, um, and it's not just an ordinary situation. I mean, you were, you're a gospel singer and you were making, you're living that way and you're a preacher and you were giving talks. This, this would have been a catastrophe. If, if yeah, and, and uh, even my wife, Chris, Chris told the doctor, she said, what he can't, because what they told him when they mistakenly cut a piece of the vocal cord, they said they would, you know, don't worry, we could put a box on the side of your throat and you can speak through the box. And Chris told him, what? She said, she told him, he can't sing anymore. Look, you, you might as well kill him because he loves, I said, wait, kill him? I said, look, I'm not that crazy about singing. What, are you kidding me, Chris? I completely told him that. You might as well kill him because he he can't sing. And I'm like, look, I'm not that crazy about singing, okay? <laughs> so anyway, so they told me I may talk anymore, and the left leg, you know, the artery, you know, it didn't it didn't work. So they would have to amputate my left leg. 
So they, they pushed me in this room called the amputation room. They prepped me to cut off my left leg. Um, I remember 12 o'clock midnight. Um, I remember, man, th this is true. The, you know, the amputation room, they had about four of us in that room. It, we was we was cut off from each other through curtains, you know. Mm -hmm. I remember seeing this guy over there. They they had cut his leg off and and he was just crying, man. I feel so sorry for him. He was weeping and because the leg was gone and I saw him, it was just the bottom was just blood, you know, where they had cut the leg right there. Yeah. And and um and he was just crying and, and he was just he was oh he was trying to grab his leg. And I you know what? I began to pray for him. I took my care off of myself and I focused on him. And I said, God, give him strength. You know, give him, give him peace. You know, let him feel the love I felt from you in spite of this. And um, you know, and 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 I I just prayed for him. You know, I feel bad. They came back and they cut some more of the leg off because it wasn't cut off enough. And um, this other guy was lined up next, and then I was the third one to be cut on. So 12 o'clock midnight, I was in that room, and I was talking to God about my situation and why he allowed this or, you know, I don't know why, but I still trust you, you know, and I still love you, and I appreciate you, God. And um, even though I'm kind of upset that you brought me back to this old crazy world, <laughs> and I was laying there, and... um. And all of a sudden, God spoke to me and he said one word. And that's why I named this film that he said one word. He said, forgive. Oh, my God. Forgive. And I wrestled with that for a moment because forgiveness is not a feeling. Right. It's, it's a choice. We've got to choose. You're not going to feel like forgiving someone that just has taken your life away, that destroyed your life. And you, you just cannot because of the pain, the hurt. And the shame that we feel it's very difficult to let those pains go. Mm. But I've learned that if we learn how to forgive in a way where we're not allowing that unforgiveness to, to hold us as in a jail cell of, of unforgiveness, we're not free from the pain of it all. You know, it holds us there and we being captive while the uh, perpetrators or the person that have done you wrong they living free. They they living free, and they living they are, they are living free rent in your head, right? So it's best to say, you know what? I'm gonna let this thing go, mm. and I'm gonna let God. And so what I had chose to do that night, I said, you know what, God? After a moment, I said, it's not a feeling; it's a choice. I'm gonna give it to you. I'm gonna trust you with this. I give you all of my hurt, my pain, my shame. I give it all to you, God. And it was almost like God held His hand out to me and said, "Give it to me, Tony." And I and I laid it in His hands. And he took it away from me. And I felt so free. Oh, my God. I felt so good. I'm telling you. And when I did that, God said, if you let go and let me, I will make you whole. That's what he told me. I will make you whole. And I let it go. I gave it to him. And I felt this warm sensation touch my leg. Felt like my leg was coming back to life. It went up to my throat. I felt something mingling together in my throat. And man, I raised my hands up and said, thank you, God. You said you would never leave me or forsake me, Jesus. I, I said, thank you, Father. And I had this tube in my throat and blood coming out the tube and all that. And I'm trying to thank God anyway. And man, my miracle was my leg came back to life. This is a true story. I can jump on my leg. I can run on that same leg now. My voice came back. Didn't have to put that box there. 
I remember the doctor that came in that room for me to say one word. He said, he took the tube off and said, say something. I'm like, I couldn't breathe. He put the tube back on. He went and told the other doctors that, you know, I don't know what's going on with this guy, but it's weird. But hey, hey, leg is alive. Let's try something else. And the guy came in and he said, Tony, if you could just say one word. And I could tell that doctor was a believer. He said, he said, I, I told you before you was a miracle. We call you miracle man on this floor. He said, look, I, if, you, if you could just just try to utter, just try to push air up. And if you could just say one word, one word, I'm telling you, we would not have to put that box there. Take a deep breath. And I took that breath and he took that tube off and I said, Jesus, my healer, Jesus, my deliverer. And he took a he took a needle and thread and he sewed that hole up. And I've been talking and praising God. My voice is better. <laughs> my praise is better. God gave me, he restored everything that was taken away from me. Praise God. Wow. Now in the uh, film, there's a homeless man that meets you out on the street and gives oh, you a yeah. message. Did that happen or is that just a true, uh, true story? I'm glad you noticed those things. You really watched <laughs> the film, huh? You really oh, I sure it. did. <laughs> you know, and did you hear Lou Gossett did the awesome, the voice of Lou God. Gossett was God. That was terrific. <laughs> the voice was, man, Lou showed me so much. I went to his home in Malibu. I'll never forget. We was working on that part and he just showed me so much love, man. I mean, you know, producers, they always, they, you know, they kind of like cocky, like, you know, like, yeah, I'm a producer. Yeah. Yeah. Tony or whatever. And uh, <laughs> every time they would make a decision, Lou would always look at me and say, Tony, what do you think? Tony, what do you, he showed me so much respect. I appreciated that from him. And he would do a part to say, Tony, what do you think? And he said, Tony, can I take this part out and let me just put this part in. It will make it, make it more smoother. It would, it would, it would do, it would, it would be more, you know, more concrete. He said, what do you think? I said, you do Gossip Jr. You've done 70 some films. I'm just trying to do one. <laughs> of course, you can take that part out, you know? And he just made it just smooth through. I mean, just great job. But anyway, I just had to share that part. Yes. But getting back to the, the, the um, homeless guy. So I didn't tell my wife when I, when I got out the hospital, I said, you know what, God, if you did all this for me, I'm walking, I'm talking. I want to go over there and, and change the lives of those young guys. I want to demonstrate your power of forgiveness. I, I want to show them that you're real and show them what they're doing to their, to their family, to their neighborhood, to their people that they love. Because when you live by a sword, you die by that same sword in, in most cases. Mm -hmm. So I went back over there and man, I'm telling you, this is the truth that the house that those guys were hanging around, there was yellow tape around that house yellow tape. And all of a sudden, I'm like, what happened here? A homeless guy came out of, this is a true story, came out of nowhere. And this guy said, those are your people? I look like, who is this guy? Where do you come from? And he said, those are your people? I said, no, I just came here to forgive some guys for what they did. And he's like, man, it was a doggone shame. Man, they, they been killing folks. One gang, shoot the other gang. Another gang came over here and retaliated. And it killed all those gangs, all those guys. I said, what? Man, I came here to forgive. And he said, the forgiveness, that was for you. And I'm like, what? And I turned around and the guy was gone. He was gone, man. I said, wait, 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 wait. It was a guy here. What? And I ran around the corner looking for the guy. I didn't see him on that end of the street. I went to the other street, other end of the street. I didn't see this guy. I'm like, it's no way because he was limping. It's no way that guy could have disappeared that quick. 
It's just no way. It was unbelievable for me. And he was an angel. He had to be. Mm. Especially for him to say, the forgiveness was for you. How would he know that? You know, I mean, that just blew me away. Wow. And yet it was important. It was an important move on your part to go and try and forgive those guys. I mean, that's, yes, a, that's a big example, a very big example of how forgiveness works. Because when we forgive, we're forgiven. It's that part of the equation. And the homeless guy was just the homeless angel <laughs> was just telling that's you right. that, that you went, tried to forgive them. And in that trying to forgive them, you were forgiven. Wow. Very profound. Very profound. You're so, so right. Looking back on this, this is an amazing story. And it's involved a lot of your time just telling the story, which is actually what God wanted you to do in the first place. But do you feel like it's made a big change in your own? Uh, I mean, you were doing God's work to begin with, but did this give you extra energy in the process of doing that? Oh, yes. It has enhanced my belief in God, my belief in miracles even the more. I truly, truly, truly believe there's nothing too impossible for God at this point in my life. You know, even through tragedies, you know, since that time, my mother's transition, my sister, they was very, very dear to my heart. So many others have. And I just look as if they've gone into heaven because I've seen images of people going inside those clouds. And it's like, and I see the clouds closing up behind them. So I believe and I know without doubt that, that they went home. You know, when we leave this to be absent from the body is to be present with God. And so I believe that, you know, that our, that our soul, you know, our spirit goes there from this world. So and, and so in that, you know, my belief is I, I just know that there's nothing too impossible for him. And I trust him even when I sometimes feel like you should have brought me back here <laughs> because I still get those feelings sometimes. Sometimes I just want to go there. I just want to be there just to sit by the. By the, you know, by the clouds, just to sit there, man. It was just so much love that I felt. I mean, I just never have grasped that on earth before. And so my, 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 my mindset of love and peace is beyond this world now. I see life in a whole different perspective. And I, and I do believe and I know that each of us have an assignment, no matter who we are and what we are, where we, what, from the high to the low. Do we take up that assignment and do them, or do we just go with what life has in front of us for selfishness, you know? And, and that's just, that just what I believe, you know? Perhaps you could describe the city you saw. What did that look like? I know you weren't right in it, but what could you see of it? Oh, if those clouds would just get out of my way, I could have saw, <laughs> you know, um, again, the, the colors, you know, the, even the buildings were sparkling. I did see a yellow glow coming from the bottom. And and I know I've heard of streets of gold. I don't know if that was gold. I don't know. I didn't see any gold there because I it was so far down in there. But there was a glow. It was a yellow looking glow. It looked like gold glow coming from the bottom. And it was just so beautiful, man. The colors, I couldn't see those, the, the, the structure of it all, you know, because of the clouds kept coming in front of my eyes. I'm like, move. <laughs> and it was just so, uh, it, it was, the, the colors was what really got me. Those colors, I'm like, what color is that? I've never seen that color before. And then I, what is that? And then the the, uh, the scream of water that I heard to my right side, like, what is that waterfall? That scream of water, it was just so subtle. 
so different from a regular waterfall, you know? And then over to my left, I'll, I just had this incredible joy. Like, what, it was so much joy there. But I don't know what the joy, it was just joy, mm. you know? And I do notice that since I'm back here, for me, yellow flowers mean that the when I see yellow flowers represent the joy of the Lord is my strength for me. I don't know why. One of my favorite fragrances I noticed that I really grasp to is jasmine for some reason. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. Because I smelled jasmine. I remember that. It was just strange. And um, but I I can't say what else? <laughs> Except those those lights that those wings were going in and out of, archangels. I didn't see their face. I just saw these lights mm. and these wings that would go in and out. It was just so peaceful, man. So be- I can see why when people cross over, they said, no, it's no way. That it, you know, we thinking we crying and we all broke up because of that. But when they get there, all of the cares for this place goes away and you're a part of pure love, love that has no, it's unconditional love, no strings attached to my love. Just, it's just pure love of, of what God created us to be and what he see us to be in life. And that just what I felt and what I experienced and man, I just did not want to come back. So one of these days I'm looking forward <laughs> to going back home, man. I, I'm going to say bye-bye and I'm gone. That's all I can say. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, general philosophical question. Why do you suppose we're here in the first place if heaven is such a wonderful place to be? Oh, my goodness. I believe from the beginning. You know, remember the Bible talks about when God created Adam and Eve and, and he gave us. This is my thing. And I and I know, you know some folks say, you don't know, question God. But, hey, he's my dad, right? I can ask God what I want to ask him. You know? He's my dad, right? I can ask my dad. I just question that free will thing, that free will, I think it has destroyed us to a point. Let me say that because because of free will, we we, we get we get greedy, we we get we we begin to take advantage of people, we begin to do all kinds of crazy things. So in that, um, I just believe that God, he, when he created us, he created us to love, to enjoy one another, to to you know, to support one to the other, you know, Adam and Eve, you know. And and um, unfortunately, we ch- we chose to go the to go the opposite. We chose to do what he asked us not to do because of this free will, and and so free will just is taking us to a dark place. Unfortunately, because but at, at the same time, God don't want to control us. He wants to give us that free will, and and I just believe because He created us to love, to enjoy His creation, and unfortunately, we we've taken it to a whole other direction. So here we are. That's all I can say to that. Yeah. Do you suppose when you called on Jesus' name and said to that boy, you won't shoot me, and he didn't shoot you, was there forgiveness built into that as well? Do you suppose the the fact that he did not shoot, would that be a source for forgiveness? Oh, yes. Not only yours, but God's, I guess, is what I'm asking. Oh, I believe that that young man, I'm telling you, when I looked into his eyes, it was dark. I could see the darkness, like something had possessed him. Like he was just full of the devil. And when I said that name, Jesus, you know, the Bible said that when you, when you say that name, devils flee, 
Yes. I believe it says something like that. I'm paraphrasing something like that. I remember reading that. And so in that, I believe, because I see, I saw his eyes clear up when I said Jesus. And his, his hands trembled. And it, it was almost like he had that he had that moment to make a conscious choice. Do you want to do this or not? And because he made that choice, you know what? I'm, I felt like I, I'm better than this. I was raised better than this. And I believe that he made that choice not to do it because, because he was free for that moment. When I said Jesus, that devil had to leave him, leave his mindset. And he made the choice. You know what? I better not do this to this guy. And, and he lowered the gun. So in that, I definitely forgave. I, I forgave all of them, you know. And I believe that because I did do that, that's why my healing came. Now, if I chose not to forgive, I, because... To me, for, unforgiveness can, can cause cancer. It can cause all kinds of ailments in the body. That's what I believe. Because when you do not forgive, you hold all these things inside of you, all this bad energy, all this bad negative vibes of things inside of you. And it's your body can't take all of that. You weren't designed to take all. We, we were designed for love and for freedom, you know, and, and, and just and to um, just be a beautiful human being, but because we choose all these dark roads that we go on, we end up trying to figure it out. Why did this happen to me? Or why did this go this way? When, when choices makes our destination, you choose this or you choose that. You know, that's why I think it's so important that we pray and ask God to lead us in those choices or lead us in the direction that we should go or that he would have us to go. And in that, I believe that we will find forgiveness, our freedom, our love, our joy that was meant to be in this world. It'll be better for each of us. And when you were growing up, you weren't growing up in the city, of course, and there probably weren't street gangs like that. (laughs) But was it church or was it family or was it both that kept you on the straight and narrow? Oh, it definitely was both. My mom... And a switch also kept me, you know, belt back then, you know, that belt keeps you in life, <laughs> you know, but my mom, <laughs> she would definitely talk about the Lord all the time. We would always be at the dinner table praying. One thing I don't like that we do, even in this age, is we get at the dinner table with our cell phones. You know, I I, I tell my wife sometimes, yeah, we need to put our phones away and just be at the table because it's just she and I, we don't have any kids, just she and I. And I'm like, let's just enjoy the moment, enjoy the meal or enjoy each other for this moment. Instead of all, because the cell phone, those, it just takes away the love, the respect, the, can I, let me see what's in your heart. Can I hear what's in your heart? What are you going through? What can I help you with? Can I do anything to make life better for you? And I just feel that when we absorb so much of the worldly things, it takes away the blessings of enjoying what God has put in right in front of our eyes, which is each other, or even the moment, you know, like, let's say even going to the beach. I told my wife, I can only imagine you watching. And I thought about you last night when you said you, 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 you could see this, um, this, uh, this tower uh, with the uh, light, the lighthouse, right? Oh, yes. <laughs> I love that. I'm like, look, you need you need to send me a picture of that. I love those moments of those precious things that mean a lot to us. Because you know, writing a song is like painting a picture. I learned that from a friend that that taught me how to write songs. You know, how how does that picture make you feel? 
how does it, what did it say to you? What can you say about it? So mm-hmm. that's what, to me, when you write a song, that's what songs talk about. What makes you feel a certain way, what it does to you, what it looks like, what it feels like. So all those things are a combination of things that show pure love that God has for each and every one of us. Well, I certainly will. It's called Fort Point Lighthouse. It's about two miles away from where I'm sitting, but I at night, you can see it clearly because they still turn the light on at night. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> wow, Tony. Well, we're just about out of time, but we have time for you to tell listeners how to, they might get in touch with you and find your book and find your film. So why don't you give us all that information? Oh, thanks a lot. And tell me, how did you like the film? I know it's, it's, it's an urban film, but it has a message there, especially for young people. Could you see the message in the film? Oh, yeah. The film is actually more about gang violence. And I did want to ask you, the fellow who's being supposedly interviewed by the newswoman, he's a real pastor, isn't he? Because <laughs> he was giving a very good message about the kids in the streets. Yes. Actually, he's a bishop, Bishop Beach. He's out of Boston, man. Oh, wow. And, uh, actually, he's the one that made my film happen. Isn't that awesome? Huh. It was amazing. I, I've been sharing my story. I'm telling you, you know, God told me, I'm like, how am I going to deliver this message of forgiveness, God? And I'm telling you, God just began to open up all these incredible doors, man. It was unbelievable. I was walking in a park in Atlanta with my wife, and I get this call from, from TBN, from Jan Crouch, and said, look, her secretary, Jan is on the other line. Would you please be on the show? She saw you on the 700 Club. I mean, it just amazed. I'm like, wow. I mean, it, one door opened up the other, right? So I was on TV and God had, t- I'm like, God, how am I going to share this message of forgiveness? And he said, through film, through speaking it. And he told me to speak it to the atmosphere. I'm like, speaking to the atmosphere? What do you, okay, okay, speaking to the atmosphere. So I begin to tell people, look, God said, I'm going to do a film. God said, I'm going to do a film. They're like, yeah, right. Film costs millions of dollars. You're not going to, I said, God said, I'm going to do a film. I don't know how, but I'm going to do a film. <laughs> And um, and all of a sudden, this is the guy. He, he would tell you this. This is the truth. I was on TV and I was speaking. I was talking to Matt Crouch about it. To, to all of them, just telling man, God said I'm gonna do a film. And Matt said, okay, well, maybe we'll do one together one day. And I'm like, okay. So that never happened with him. But I kept saying it. And all of a sudden, I get a call from this guy way over in Boston. True story. Man, God told me to do a film with you to invest in your film. I'm like, oh, here we go with a prankster. Uh, no, no. And I hung up the phone on the guy. He called back twice. And I'm like, this guy keep calling. And, and I picked up the phone. I'm like, um, sir, what is it that you want? He said, listen, he said, I don't trust you. I trust a God in you. True story. That's what he told me. I don't trust you, your flesh, but I trust a God in you. Mm-hmm. God told me to do this and give me an account and I will begin to do it. And that man did it overnight. I couldn't believe it. No contract signed. He came out here and we started that production and it went on from there. Unbelievably true story. And we the best of friends to this day right now. Uh-huh. And we nice. have two other films that we're going to work on. We have one called The Prodigal and I have one about my mother called Lily C. And I signed a distribution with, it's called Bridgestone BMG Global. Mm-hmm. A wonderful distribution company. They're, they're, they're faith-based, Christian-based. I love that too. Uh, Brother Dave is his name, uh, one of the uh, head executives there. So um, I signed with them and they have placed the film on all kinds of platforms. I mean, it's so easy to find right now. It's on Amazon Prime. It's on Hulu. Tubi uh, is going to Redbox real soon. Even on my website, 
They can go to my website at www.iforgivethemovie.org. Again, www.iforgivethemovie.org. And you see it right there. You can download, you can order a copy. So eventually I want to, Bridgestone, we was talking about translating into different languages eventually. Mm. So I'm really excited about signing with them. So far, I'm really satisfied with the level of output because they they only do streaming platforms. They don't do any theatrical release, but streaming. And they're they are really doing a great job putting it out there. It's, it's everywhere right now. So yeah. it's not hard to find if they just look for I Forgive, Tony Davis on there. It, it, all kinds of things will pop up. Yeah, that's what we did. It came up on Amazon Prime and Roku and Hulu and all that. Yeah. So, and about your book. Tell us about your book. I wrote my book in 2005. It was Heaven is Real. Um, and it's about my entire story from childhood, growing up in Mississippi with a loving family. I have my little three-year-old pictured inside of the book. I was three-year-old, little kid with some overalls on, you know, and, um, you know, and just had a beautiful family. My mom was so protective of us, man. We had a beautiful neighborhood. We would look out for each other. We would borrow some sugar or some salt or, you know, take this mom would cook Sunday dinners and take this plate over there to brother Dave because he haven't <laughs> cooked anything. I, I miss those days so, so, so much, man. It's just not the same, you know, and, and there's so much love back then, you know, and, and uh, these new generation, they just have so much freedom, man. They, they just don't know how to live. I'm mm. telling you. So the love is just missing in those things. So in that, um, you know, growing up in, in the, you know, and so the book has all that. It has when I was singing R&B and it goes on to my, when I went total gospel and it tells the entire story, even the heaven experience inside of that book. And uh, I tell that heaven is real. And you have a, a website, is it the movie website that you named? Yes, the movie is there. You can see all my CDs. I have traditional CD projects I've done. Um, um, I have a, oh, you, you must see my video. I did a wonderful video. I wrote this song called My Everything when I was laying there with that tube in my throat in mm. the hospital. I, I wrote that song. You know, I, I asked the nurse for a piece of paper and I just began to write in the middle of my hurt, in the middle of my pain. Middle of my joy. It's a great song. It's on, I've watched it. It's on YouTube. Oh, you saw it. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's a very good song. Yeah, I wrote that song, man, with that tube in my throat, laying in the hospital, just scribbling on a piece of paper. So you didn't, um, did you know at that point whether that you had a voice or not? No, I didn't. I, I didn't, you know. Uh, I was getting all that bad news about, it was right before uh, they were amputate my leg. And, yeah. and I just I just got all that bad news. And I said, you know what? And I love writing songs. I, I can, I can write a song about anything. The hat sitting on the wall, the hat, you know, I, I mean, <laughs> I, I learned so much about writing songs over the years because I, I did R and B, like I said, and I just totally sold out for God, you know? And also yeah. I have a national increased peace foundation that I do. I, man, I'm mentoring some young, um, uh, ex game members. And I, hmm. I, you know, I'm, I'm, I manage it so powerful. I, I've taken my film and I'm on a tour as well. I go to city to city, you know, where I'm invited and I try to, right now I need funding, but I do what I can through ticket sales or whatever. And I go to city and I, I, I bring a red carpet and backdrop with me and take pictures with the elderly. I love it, man. And they love it too. And we, I show the film and I do a Q and a after the film, you know, hmm. and I get all these great questions from these young people. 
you know, ask me, did you see God? You know, because I go and speak in juvenile halls and, and skid row and, and just, you know, wherever I'm invited, I, I go there and I, and I change lives. One thing that really touched me was this one young man that I met out here. He was an ex-gang member. And, I, and I, I'm so proud of Colonius. He's doing so much better now. I stayed on his tail to finally get him right. You know, it's a couple of years, but he's right now because now he has a uh, he has his own coffee business and, and also a, a seafood business. But anyway, I never forget. I, I, I didn't give up on Colonius. I always prayed with him. He called me for prayer. And when I saw him doing something that he should not do, I would get on him. You, you know, you know, you know, that's wrong. Yep. Why don't you let that go? Come from amongst them. You got if you want to change, come from amongst that stuff. And I would be hard set on that because that's the only way a change would happen. And eventually he did. And I'm so proud of him. But he told me he came to a screening that I had in down in California this year, a few months ago. And he said, Tony, you didn't know this, but that one phone call that I called you, he said, I was going to kill myself. He said, but you picked up. He said, you always picked up for me when nobody else would. You picked up for me and you prayed for me. You prayed with me. And he said, and I changed my mind. I said, what? He said, yeah, I was going to kill myself that one time. And you picked up and you prayed for me, man. And I just thank you because that saved my life. I said, wow. I didn't know that, you know, but that was very, very touching for me. Very inspirational. So that gives me more compassion, more drive to do what I'm doing to change lives. Because once they realize that the enemy has them captured and they set free, the Bible says that he that is free is free indeed. And I believe that once we let them a, a free and give them an opportunity, like that young man, when I prayed, when I said Jesus and that devil, let him go for that moment to make that choice. Mm. I believe that if we can just set them free for a moment, they will make that right choice. I know there's some that will fall to the wayside, but the majority of them, I believe, will be saved. I know. In Jesus name. I believe that. It's true. It's true. Tony, we're out of time. Thank you so much for doing the show. And I want to tell listeners if they want to hear the show again or any of our more than 470 archived ad-free NDE interviews, go to TalkZone's NDE radio site and hit the Past Shows button or go to our YouTube channel, NDE Radio with Lee Whitting, where you can subscribe to and comment on the complete NDE radio library, including the show that we did today. And be sure to check out our NDE Radio Facebook page. Search NDE Radio with Lee Whitting on your Facebook app. And listen again next Monday, 11 a.m. Eastern at Talk Zone for more NDE Radio. I'm your host, Lee Whitting, saying thanks for listening. <laughs>